Welcome to the heartland of America, as the World Wrestling Federation presents the first ever King of the Ring extravaganza. Tonight, eight of the toughest superstars of the WWF will bang heads in a grueling single elimination tournament to determine once and for all who is the King of the Ring. folks welcome to uh, talking tourneys episode 21 we can drink i am your host sam dimaccio and with me per usual other host dan rice dan how you doing i'm doing fantastic sam pretty excited to talk about this tournament today and this episode we're gonna be talking about the very first scenic city invitational from 2015 to place across august 7th and eighth and it was let's say a simpler time back then and with us on this episode very special guest started in the wrestling business in the 2000s started being a promoter in 2015 and one of the founders of the scenic city invitational scott hensley scott how you doing hey thanks for having me i'm good it's been a while i'm glad you could hop on here yeah, it's uh, great to see your face again and uh, to get to be with you guys. Uh, yeah, I think we want to definitely have you on, obviously, to talk about the SCI. It feels like there are very, very, very few people that can speak to the tournament quite like you, of course. Um, but obviously, we're doing it specifically timed right now, recording on July 10th, 2023, because the SCI is coming around again this weekend. And we got full full lat lineup throughout the weekend. Dan, I'm going to kick it off to you because uh, I know you have the cars kind of pulled up to kind of maybe just give us a quick rundown of what we got coming up. Yeah, uh, well, I think it starts on, and Scott, correct me if I'm wrong with any of this, but it starts on Thursday with uh, the night before. And I think all these shows are on uh, IWTV. But the night before has uh, Timothy Thatcher versus Jaden Newman and Mad Dog Conley versus Tank and Ryan Clancy versus Adam Priest. I mean, that is... For a Thursday show, I think it's kind of stacked. Uh, I mean, I, don't, I think normally, not not that they're lesser, but like you know, it's like when you go to these you know weekend long wrestling events, you know, your first your first day is not usually full of heavy hitters like that. Um, are you involved in that show at all, Scott? 
No, I get to actually sit and watch that one as a fan. Uh, the reason why it's so stacked, uh, Dylan Hills, uh, which we'll talk more about as we go here, is is a very important part of the history of Scenic City. Uh, but he is uh, heavily involved at TWE, and uh, it's really competitive between us for uh, Scenic City weekend. And so uh, he he pulls out all the stops, you know. And he's he's somebody that he he loves being able to pat himself on the back and he'll he'll say that and to be able to say you know we had either the best match or matches of the weekend on thursday night and i, I welcome it it's it's awesome yeah and tw has a great thing going uh going pretty much weekly the entire year which is a huge testament to any wrestling promotion um but yeah they got a good thing going it's kind of feels like for the entire scene the region, the SCI represents a certain milestone in the year. But for DW, this is kind of one of their big weekends, uh, big events throughout the year as well. So uh, I think that's going to be a a fun time for sure. Uh, Dan, do you want to kind of run down the lineup here for? Yeah, for the 2023 uh, SCI, we have Shug D versus Jaden Newman, Eli Knight versus Landon Hale, Shazam McKenzie versus Adam Priest, Mike Jackson versus BK Westbrook, Rico Gonzalez versus Bobby Flyko versus Manders. So, oh, uh, sorry, Sawyer Wreck versus John Wayne Murdoch, and Tank versus Timothy Thatcher. That's about as good a you're going to get in the year of Lord 2023. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Tank versus <laughs> Timothy Thatcher is is just masterful. Like I never knew I wanted to see it, but the second I saw the picture, I was like, there's nothing I want to see more. <laughs> yeah. I think this is kind of a great mix of what has typically made SCI a standout event or what enjoyable tournament year in and year out. Um, you have some of the big style clashes like, Thatcher and Tank, where you bring in the big names like Thatcher with one of the regional stars, but frankly, just a big independent wrestling name themselves, a Tank, um, who just keeps going. He is a Tank, for lack of a better term. Um, you've got Sawyer Rock, who is pretty much blown up on the scene via work, uh, not just on GCW, but throughout the world, in Japan as well. Uh, I know Noah Hosman has kind of <laughs> become a cult favorite uh, among folks on this podcast network, as well as just kind of circles that I'm running in. So you would argue one called Manders was previously that sort of guy the past few years um, where I feel like he blew up and then he's just kind of been steady, keeps on growing, keeps on putting great matches on throughout any kind of territory he gets to enter. Um, I'm hopeful that he's a wrestler that kind of gets the ball to run over the next uh, couple of years since uh, I know he's got those opportunities in him. And then the rematch, Landon Hale versus Eli Knight. I think that's got to be one of the most anticipated matches of the tournament, no matter what follows. They put on one heck of a match last year. Uh, So when this kind of, gets put together what is the kind of the, the thought process on the variety here of trying to kind of keep things interesting year in and year out 
It's really challenging. And you, you mentioned how good TWE has been. And that actually makes our job even more challenging to put something on that has uh, sort of a local flavor, but doesn't feel like the exact same thing. And of course, my partner in Scenic City, uh, Matt Griffin, or one of my partners, uh, Jaden Newman, is, is also a, a partner with us now. But uh with Matt Griffin doing action, uh, you know, it's it's like, man, we really have to step this up to make this not just feel like another uh, TWE or action show because those guys work so hard at putting together good shows. You know, we have to reach even further beyond all the really talented people they're using. And uh, so, I mean, just like from the very beginning, we, we use sort of friend of a friend networking. And uh, I, I think the biggest story out of this year is, of course, Timothy Thatcher coming in and you know he's a guy that doesn't use social media and you know it's not like you can just look up his phone number uh so or I'm, I'm not good enough to do that so people have asked you know how did this come about and the 100 legitimate truth is timothy thatcher reached out to us and said hey i want to come wrestle tank anything <laughs> <laughs> And we and, and so Jaden took the email and uh, Jaden messaged some of his contacts and he's like, "Is this really Timothy Thatcher?" <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah, that's him." And and so uh, we we went from there and we were able to really work out a, a great weekend and uh, you know like I talked about the partnership uh, with TWE uh, for. Jaden to get a big opportunity on Thursday night to to add Timothy Thatcher to his resume, uh, and then for us to be able to to feature him in our tournament, and then he's actually going to do a seminar on uh, Saturday morning. We have uh, probably close to. I would say we have over 30 people signed up for that seminar right now. And uh, it's it's really exciting because he's a guy that just isn't readily available for everybody. So it's uh, it's a really special feeling. That's incredible. I love that backstory to how Thatcher landed it, uh, at SCI this year. And yeah, obviously he's kind of one of the the big names. Fair to say surprising to see what his career trajectory has been over the past handful of years. Um, but to see him back kind of being able to wrestle in Japan as well as wrestle on the indies has been really exciting. So I think this is going to be a really interesting SCI. I am selfishly pulling for Bobby Flacco to have a real, real impact this year. I think he's someone that's just been waiting to break out over the past three, three years or so. So uh, excited to see kind of how this all kind of develops. Uh, for yeah, me, John Wayne Murdoch feels like a guy who is like, I was a suit. Like, I'm like, he fits so perfectly. It's crazy to me that he's already not, a part of that scene. It's like when he got announced, I was like, of course he should be in this. Like, I, I'm really excited to see how he does on SCI this year. Yeah. Murdoch's a guy that, uh, that I go way back with actually. Uh, I've been, I worked with him first in like 2008. Uh, he was Damien Payne, uh, in middle Tennessee. Uh, Murdoch's dad is actually from my hometown of Tullahoma, Tennessee. 
so we actually go back. It's kind of strange. And I've watched him uh, completely uh, basically kill off the Damien Payne thing and be reborn as, you know, this deathmatch legend that's just completely fearless and somebody that we're, we're really excited to get to bring in. And, you know, our crowd is very familiar with him, the, both the, the local crowd and the uh I don't really want to say internet crowd, but the the traveling fans, uh, because uh, the locals have become familiar with him because ICW has been coming to Chattanooga and running TWE as well. Uh, so you know we've we've gotten to see him there before, and so it's it's really cool to to introduce people to new wrestlers, but then to also have a lot of wrestlers they're familiar with. I, I liken it to sort of like a music festival. You know, you want to see the big names you're familiar with. You're paying to see them. There's some newcomers you probably want to hear that you haven't seen before and then you're going to discover new people that that you had no idea about along the way and with our event the tournament itself i think we see that but then especially also uh, action futures on saturday yeah i i think this is going to be a memorable one uh, it feels like every year it's safe to say that se is going to deliver a good tournament going to deliver a good weekend of of action and that is not something to say across the board and the wrestling landscape at any level uh from smallest of the smallest to the biggest of the bigs and it's just never feels that safe um uh, i think scott's point about how much more how hard it is to book this because all of the the scene's so much easier to for everyone to see, you know, TWE in action and, you know, IWTV. And we're all way more familiar with these Southern guys. It's kind of a good way to transfer into talking about 2015 because I feel like 2015 is like the year where Southern Indies kind of became more accessible. Like yeah, before I mean, that, I mean, it was just like you just heard Dylan Hells talking about it. <laughs> you had to take Dylan's word that these guys were good. Um, yeah, he he ended up being more or less on the money on a lot of this, so that was always good. Uh, so yes, let's jump into 2015. Like obviously, that's the year. I believe that is that the year of uh, Styles versus Rave as Rave. well. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um. So obviously, Al gets wrestling. Um. They definitely kind of played a part early on before streaming really took off to get some of these shows and matches out there uh, in a professional way that felt more than uh, hand cam footage. Yeah. Let's go into the lineup for 2015. We've got Joey Lynch, Mark Vandy, KT Hamill, Tank, Caprice Coleman, Chip Day, Jimmy Rave, Gunner, Corey Hollis, Ace Rockwell, Moose, Congo Kong, Jason Collins, Gunnar Miller, Anthony Henry, and Christian Haim. Dan, give me the thoughts off the dome. Uh, I mean, I was a big fan of a lot of these guys. I mean, obviously, I knew Caprice Coleman and Jimmy Rave, and uh, I like Congo Kong a lot. And uh, Moose was in, I think, Ring of Honor at that point already. And uh, But like I said, I remember dming uh dylan again not to talk about him nonstop, but about how i could see gunner miller matches and like i had to have a password to go on to the empire's website 
and see, you know, some of the 20 matches or so, how many he had at that point. And just, it was, you know, I had seen a little bit of Ace Rockwell, but not a lot, but I like what I saw. So like, this was kind of a, at least for me, like a chance to see a lot of these guys in their own, in their own home base, give or take, where I didn't normally get to see that. What about you, Sam? What were you? What were your thoughts in 2015? Um, I was I was psyched. This was kind of my I would say it was a bigger foray seeing Moose kind of parlay some of that ROH success during the time when ROH felt like you know what, still not the biggest deal because ROH had hard times, but he felt like more of a star in that regard. Um, being a fan of the Congo Kongs of the world, uh, Kate T. Hamill was someone that I had become a fan of from. <laughs> the YouTube clips, YouTube matches that uh, Dylan would post on WKO forums back in the day. Um, definitely familiar with Hollis, Chip Day, Jim Rave, Anthony Henry. Uh, was curious how Gunner was going to be <laughs> during this tournament. Um, but also, like, just lots of fresh faces for me. Like, being able to see Joey Lynch, being able to see... Um, Gunnar Miller being able to see kind of curious on Jason Collins, someone that I had heard pretty much nothing about. So um, Scott kind of give us the lay of the land here on like how this sort of all comes together here. Yeah. So we did it at the empire arena in Rossville, Georgia Uh, empire ran until I believe they ran, I want to say maybe another year or two, Uh, but they were a local promotion that featured about half of these guys. And uh, they had that old, like sort of NWA wild side slash anarchy influence with uh, guys like Andrew Alexander and uh, Reverend Dan Wilson and tank involved and, uh, then they had all these younger guys, and they had uh, just a a really built scene of just steady guys that had already put in five or six years and were really good enough to wrestle talent better than themselves and to be featured and seen. And uh, myself and Ace Rockwell sat down one day, and we, we sort of just like fantasy booked, and we were like, you know, what what if we could get you know, some of these guys and what if we could reach out and try to bring in some, some bigger names and, uh, let's, you know, let's partner with empire to make something that elevates the local scene, but also feels really special and is something that we can sort of market to all of wrestling, you know, and that was with, with Al Getz coming in and filming that. And, uh, do either of you happen to know who Al Getz, his cameraman was? I have no idea. I do not. It was Matt Griffin. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So oh, Matt funny. Griffin, the, the former, the former JC North. Uh, you know, Matt was a, a pretty accomplished wrestler in his day and wrestled at Wildside and you know uh, appeared for TNA and uh, wrestled AJ Styles and a lot of the guys in uh, like Virginia and had a. A run down in, I think, uh, the New Orleans area, 
but he he was a guy that had been out of wrestling much like al and they had sort of uh i guess rejuvenated their interest in independent wrestling and independent wrestling in the southeast specifically after that aj styles and jimmy rave match that you mentioned so that really plays into our history uh but we we wanted it to be a lot of area guys and uh a lot of guys that you know that we could try to find that we've kind of felt felt special and uh it's just so interesting to look at the lineup and to see the trajectory of so many people because like i mean like 80 percent of these guys went on to do bigger and better things and i think that's just it's awesome to see that yeah absolutely absolutely it feels like also just there is a time capsule-esque nature to some of this um where there's a crystallization of hey you couldn't really do this tournament necessarily again uh, you can only grow and evolve going forward all right let's start with it first round dan we got joey lynch versus Corey hollis what are we thinking how are we feeling um i mean i really like this um joey joey lynch is awesome and uh Corey is an amazing heel like you just like you just you can hate him so instantly uh like even before he's doing heelish things like you see him and you go okay uh, yeah screw this guy and uh it was it was good you know i'm a big fan of wrestlers trying to get the quick win in the tournament i just think that you know makes a lot of sense and that was clearly what joey was trying to do um but he just couldn't you know overcome Corey's uh Corey's eye pokes and his heel tactics and I mean, sometimes this finish where he, you know, pulls the ref down as he's tapping in the uh, Scorpion Deathlock, so the ref doesn't see him tap, and then he hits the eye poke for the win. Uh, sometimes that would bug me, but because it played such a big part in the rest of the tournament, it really worked for me. Yeah, I, I think it's like a really strong start here. It feels like okay, it's not something that I feel burns anything out, but really sets good tone for what we're about to get into here with the whole tournament. And like you said, Corey's real good at being smug. And <laughs> and that'll play out throughout the rest of this tournament, pretty much. So that really works. Obviously Joey is going to have future success in the SCI. And also it's just fun to watch this tournament with hindsight, with knowing kind of okay, here's how this is gonna play into their journeys, so to speak, when it comes to uh, the SEI, but he kind of gets taken out in the first round, but valiant effort. Um, but Scott, how are we feeling coming in on match numero uno? So these were two guys that sort of represented uh, my experience in wrestling at the time, which was a combination of uh, working in North Alabama in the Scottsboro area. Uh, I, I started ring announcing uh, about a month after Corey started wrestling at the same promotion, Ultimate NWA in uh, Scottsboro there. And so to to bring to be able to bring the North Alabama top talent youngster Corey Hollis in there, who was already just phenomenally good, uh, versus Joey Lynch, who was just one of the area's shining stars. Uh, it, it was incredible, and you mentioned both of these guys had had a story, 
you know, there and going on. And, you know, both of these guys got to work on TV for WWE. And, uh, you know, Corey got a lot of NXT matches. And so it was, uh, it was really cool to start with this. And this was the the real beginning of a long-term story for both of them with Scenic City, which, uh, you know, Joey Lynch would would later go on to, to win it all, uh, doing sort of step-by-step, getting a little better each year. And so it was, it was a really fun start. It's really fun to look back on. And uh, Corey is in the final that uh, Joey wins, correct? Am I misremembering that? Hmm. I can't remember about that one. Dan, you got to come oh, in yep. hot. You got to come in with. No, I should have just said it confidently. Yeah, he was. It was him. Joey Lynch. Exactly uh, right. Hot, yep. Hollis and Gary J. Mm-hmm. Perfect. You nailed yes. it. Um, all right. Let's let's move on to our next matchup. Mark Vandy versus Ace Rockwell. Dan. Where are we at? Uh, uh, this is another fun match. Um, Rockwell works underneath for most of it. Um, keeps teasing the Ace Crusher. Uh, I was not really. I remember not. I didn't know Mark Vandy at all. Pretty much coming into this, and I really liked him. Uh, and I wanted more of him. I was really sad he lost, but I liked Rockwell too. And I thought this was a really fun match. And uh, it like all these matches just they they just they're so there's like. I mean, we're 21 episodes into this. There's so much, I don't know, the wheat from the chaff, I don't know what I'm saying, but there's so many of these shows where the early round matches are just trash you can throw out, where all these first round matches are so solid. And I, I ended up loving Rockwell, and, you know, the Ace Crusher, you know, is, will carry on in the tournament and the movie tries to hit. And I wanted to see more Vandy, so I think it's a it's job. Ace is high, man. Ace is high. <laughs> um, Mark Vandy, I think, when I look back, was the nothing against Mark Vandy, but it's the only time I've ever talked to Dylan going into this tournament where he felt the most homer uh, about this tournament, the most got to back it 100%. Mostly because, not because he thought, had an opinion on Mark Vandy, but because I think this was one of the very few wrestlers he did not really have an opinion on, um, not just in this in this tournament, but essentially in the, the world of professional wrestling, Mark Vandy somehow has slipped through that man's uh, eyesight, which was telling in its own right, but he's trying to sell it still, which I appreciate. And he's not bad. <laughs> he's not bad. But it's the only time I felt like Dylan was going for it when he was pitching me on this tournament. Scott, <laughs> how did how did, uh, how did did Mark end up on this show? Because it's not, I mean, going by cage match, he's, he's not a prolific wrestler. He hasn't you know, been all over <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the the backstory, the complete backstory to this, and and Vandy is, I mean, he's a good wrestler, but like you said, he he doesn't necessarily fit amongst some of these others uh, in what he has accomplished either before or after the tournament. But uh, basically, I, I wanted someone in the tournament that was just a, a real character and somebody that was really unique. And somebody that we could put on the poster and somebody that people would want pictures of. And you can tell I'm not describing Mark Vandy here. So the person <laughs> that we wanted was uh, was Congo Kong. And so 
Ace, my, my partner in booking this, was like, hey, reach out to Congo and see if there's somebody he can get in the car. Like, uh, we, we thought that Chris Hero was living up there close to him at that time. And we were hoping he would be like, yeah, my buddy Chris Hero will come with me. And uh, instead, he was like, yeah, I've got this trainee named Mark Vandy. And we were like, oh. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Mark, if you're listening, but uh, uh, he, I mean, he ended up being, I mean, a, a perfectly good wrestler for the tournament and everything and somebody that, you know, was not somebody that you've ever seen in that area, but uh, he actually had victories over Kevin Nash and Colt Cabana. Uh, he was uh, he was on some of those Heroes and Legends shows like the Jason Maples events in uh, North Indiana, maybe, or Ohio. But uh, Maples, I don't think he has a very good reputation among some, but he, he did some really big events and uh, gave Congo Kong some good opportunities and Mark Vandy some good opportunities. So uh, Ace sort of bit the bullet here on this one, wrestling like the non-name. But I, I thought they had a, a good mix-up from that first match, and uh, the match was fine. It was fine. Yeah, I think that's, that's very fair. I think, uh, hey... There are so many matches, so many things that we've discussed in the show where it's like, oh, this is actively bad. This is definitely not that. This is just, <laughs> I think, a solid workmanlike performance from our boy Ace here. Um, so that's good. I was, we're two for two, I think, with just, hey, highly watchable matches. All right, moving on. Next up is KT Hamill versus Moose. Personally, big fan of this match. I thought it rocked. I think KT Hamill's canceled at this point from all recollection. Moose, he's Moose. So, wave hands. If we start listing everyone that's canceled, we're going to be be here all night. We're going to be here all night. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think this is great. I think KT Hamill, just a great wrestler. He understands his physical ability um, and just... Bumps real big for Moose, who is more than happy to be the big guy in here. Uh, yeah, I just think it kind of kind of rocks. Uh, Dan, what do we got? Uh, I agree. Um, there's it's such a it's like such a small thing, like just one spot. But it's all I can think about because I love it so much. Is you know, KT hits him with an eye poke and then takes control. And once Moose regains controls, he does his big wind up and hits the eye poke. And I just I love that every time. <laughs> and uh, it. I, I like I'm just probably why I love this tournament. I I enjoy poking people in the eye. I'm I like the three three stooges and uh I think babyface heel, like once you get poked in the eye, you're gonna want to poke the other guy back in the eye. Um <laughs> I mean, I could see some complaints about how Moose goes from not being able to move to hitting like all of his crazy explosive moves, but all his crazy explosive moves look real cool, so I liked it. Moose goes on and it was a it was a good match. Yeah, I think they just my my favorite bit is just KT having this headlock on and <laughs> the the size disparity on full display. Moose is just bent over and then some and KT is just standing as tall as he possibly can, uh putting that headlock on. It's just like what are what in the world? Um Scott, what's what's the breakdown here for KT versus yeah, so- so KT was a guy that uh, was was one of those just 
really good local guys. And uh, he, like you said, he had a lot of athleticism. Uh, he could fly off the top rope, has one of the most beautiful elbow drops off the top rope. And uh, I, I remember the, the spot where he slingshots himself out of the ring onto Moose on the outside. Just the, just the confidence that both of these guys had. And Moose was just getting started as a, a WWA4 guy. Mr. Hughes trained uh, down in Atlanta and, uh, you know, an ex-NFL player. So, it, but also, you know, as you spoke to with the the eye poke thing, he has some entertainment ability as well. He he's not just a a, a dumb machine athlete. Uh, he he's a a powerhouse that that does have some charisma to him, and uh, so we we really felt lucky to be able to add some sort of legitimacy to our tournament by having this ex NFL guy and uh, of course we had Gunnar Miller in the tournament as well who uh was a standout college football player locally so it, it's really easy to pitch uh like pro sports or college sports people to non-wrestling fans rather than it being like, Hey, you want to come see some athletic theater kids? They're like, mm, not really. <laughs> 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 but I mean, every, everybody in this tournament, uh, you know, for the most part, I, I mean, I think was, is, is really easy to pitch. And, uh, this was a big opportunity for KT Hamill and, uh, KT's a guy that I, I have sort of kept in contact with over the years, and I've, I've been able to to help him get back on his feet at one point. And, uh, you know, Moose was a guy that, you know, he, he ended up winning the Impact Championship, and he's had a good run with them. So, you know, it's a... Uh, it's a really cool match that we got to do that for KT and got to feature Moose before he was, uh, you know, as big as he is now. Yeah, I, I think one thing we can say about this tournament is, like, there are so many wrestlers here that just look like your pro, the pro, more prototypical wrestler that you think of from back in the heyday. Like, there were some real big, big fellas in this one, um, which is not something you could say just in a general sense. Um, like, we're going to talk about a few, but, like, even Caprice Coleman will forever be ripped as all get out, uh, it seems. But He does age, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think this is a really good match. I am. I feel like so far, this is kind of my favorite of the matches we've seen thus far. Dan, any closing thoughts here? No, I just agree with everyone. What everyone says. Uh, I was excited to see more moose in the tournament though. Because like I said, like he's kind of one of the outsiders. So I was glad he went on. Yeah. And we also got to see like a wrestler who's got clear. Wild athletic ability who like Scott said, like, has some level of charisma, understands kind of what pro wrestling involves in that act sense, but he's still kind of finding himself as a performer, which I always find enjoyable. Next up, it's the big boys. It's Tank versus Congo Kong. I thought this was just a fun big boy slugfest. But Dan, bring it to me. What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I agree. I mean, we'll, we'll hear from Scott in a second, but I think this was like the obvious match to make when you have this lineup. Like you, you wanted to see Congo Kong versus Tank, uh, two huge men, and this is when I think Congo Kong was like one of the best wrestlers in the world. Maybe I mean, just he was everything. He looked amazing, um, and the crowd's so behind 
tank that like the nerve hold stuff stuff actually works where sometimes that wouldn't work and the congo kong's big splash off the top rope his superfly splash is just it's a finisher like you see that and you're like how is he not dead underneath him uh but yeah i mean i was i was happy congo you know won and uh i i think that I think this might have been actually maybe my favorite of the matches so far. Just be, I like Moose versus KT Hamill, but I like seeing big guys, you know, hitting each other. Yeah, there's something to the force these two bring in the ring, where they got girth, they got they got bellies, they got that beef, and boy, do I love that! Just like Congo Kong. Essentially, just squashing Tank. Um, not in the sense of a mass structure, but more in the sense of just flatten him with his stomach. Just beautiful. That's professional wrestling, baby. That is what I'm here for. Uh, that should not happen to Tank ever in his life. Kong is that big of a man. Scott. It feels like, like Dan said, it felt obvious, but was it obvious kind of at the time? Yeah, the, this was... Uh, the- this is what they call uh, around here a Scott Hensley match. Uh, I, I love I love the big dudes getting in there and, like you said, sort of squashing each other. Um, and you know, uh, at, at this point, you know, t- Tank was was on his last run here. <laughs> so, uh, I, I say that jokingly because uh, he, he did retire like a, a year or two later, but uh, he's come back and just had an incredible run here. We're on uh, this is like chapter eight or nine of Tank at this point, and uh, and it's still really fun and good. And uh, if you've ever met Tank, if you've ever worked with Tank, uh, it, it doesn't get better than working with him. Uh, he's a uh, a true professional and uh this match was was a match that we wanted at, at this point he was sort of just back to being a, a local guy you know he's he's a guy that's always uh juggled the family and done that really well and so you know he he was just working in the area at the time and so we had this chance to bring in one of the top independent guys who had just had a killer match with Chris Hero and uh we were able to match up you know, two giant dudes and just let them go in there and have a big hoss fight. And it was, uh, it was really memorable and everybody really enjoyed it. Yeah. It is so great that tank has got to kind of continue his career. And I, Hey, like bangs and bruises from the style of professional wrestling that he does, but that there is still a place for him in pro wrestling and high profile places that are, Amongst kind of the top independent promotions in the country. And now he gets to have a match against Thatcher. Uh, who would have thunk? He's still putting in work. He's still getting in better shape than he's been in years. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I am. It, it, it always felt like, okay, we're going to miss him when he's gone. And we're going to miss him when he's gone. But it felt like, okay, this is his last hurrah. Let's cherish it. It's like, okay. We now get more tank. We should be thankful for that for as long as we can be. This is a little off topic, but I'm doing my research for the show. And Scott, one of your first uh, involvement in pro wrestling, did you referee a match between tank and iceberg and nemesis and Abdullah the butcher? Sure did. That was my very first night in was being thrown in with Abdullah the butcher and uh, a, a Trojan death match. Yeah. 
I just had to bring that up because I saw that and I was like, I don't know that if I was a seasoned referee that I'd want to totally volunteer for that one. <laughs> I had zero training. I'd never been in a before and uh, I've had some people say, hey, you want to watch that match back? No, no, I don't. <laughs> it's on YouTube. No, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, whoever threw that together, threw you in there, was like, you know what? Train or not train, results will be the same. Um, so <laughs> might as well get the reps in. But that was our good buddy, Ace Rockwell there. <laughs> but uh, the uh, w- one quick uh, note about Tank. So, you know, we, we mentioned that he did retire at one point, and uh, I had uh, somebody from the school come up to me, and he said, you know, he said, I-, I never knew how serious to take this wrestling stuff. He said, but when Tank came out to give his retirement speech, there was a dad that saw his son sitting down and the dad like kind of smacked his son and said, you stand up and show Tank some respect. And he was like, man, he's like, this is serious. Like, you know, <laughs> these people really appreciate these other people. And he just really thought that was cool. And I thought he was great. He shared that. Amazing. All right. All right. For the next one, folks. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. It is Chris Coleman versus Jason Collins. What more is there to say about Caprice Coleman? Just one of the kind of just, I'm going to say one of the elite professionals in the sport of wrestling for his entire career. Just always puts in a good, good effort. It's always want to make the crowd happy. It always looks like, hey, I've been training for this every single day of my entire life. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is a, a really good match. Really good match. Uh, Dan. What are your thoughts? Uh, I agree. Um, I didn't really know Jason Collins coming into this. Uh, I knew Caprice Coleman. I actually think that I saw his first Ring of Honor match live, and it was a uh, very clearly, from my outside perspective, a Jimmy Rave car match because it was Jimmy Rave versus Caprice Coleman versus Rain Man versus Todd Sexton in the middle of Ohio. And I was like, well, these guys all came together, I'm guessing. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I've always liked him, and it's, uh, it's funny because this is like, this is athleticism on like a totally different variety of it than the match we just saw. I mean, when quick Matt, we're, we're getting Caprice's, uh, his no hands, Hurricanrana. Um, this was just a good time. And I don't know if, uh, I mean, if, I don't know a better way to kind of get Jason Collins on the map. I mean, the upset over Caprice Coleman and just, just maybe even more than beating him, just hanging with him through the whole thing. But yeah, I like this a lot. Yeah. He's Jason. But like, okay, hey, maybe there's something here. Um, doesn't quite have that trajectory over the long haul, it seemed. But like, he's a dude that has a lot of fun suplexes, and he was dishing them out. And I think the finish with him doing that kind of fisherman buster type suplex was rad as all get out. Uh, I think at one time I I was maybe a little bit more over the moon about this match. Um, I don't know what's changed. I've become old and hardened but this is still a lot of fun <laughs> a lot of fun uh scott give us yeah, some so background the, of this one the the behind the scenes on this one was it's a match that wasn't originally supposed to happen uh the original competitor here was actually davy richards and okay. davy sort of pulled a davy at that time and now or whatever but uh <laughs> so uh we we sort of went to the Rolodex of, you know, and it was, it was pretty close to time. Uh, like when we 
had to replace him. It was within like a week or two, I want to say. And so we sort of went to the Rolodex. And like I mentioned earlier, with the uh, NWA wild side and anarchy influence, uh, somebody had his contact information. And, you know, at the time in 2015, it it doesn't seem like that long ago, but then at other times it does. Uh, Like now, I feel like you can contact about 90-something percent of wrestlers pretty easily now. But I feel like at that time, it was a lot more protected, their information was. Uh, But we sort of used friend of a friend and got his information. And uh, he came in and was completely on board with what we wanted to do as far as uh, sort of shining up the local talent. And yeah, he and uh, Jason Collins had like the surprise match of the night. Uh, Jason Collins is a a really talented guy. Um, He ended up doing a lot of tag team work with his brother. And uh, they they did like a a faction at Empire uh, called the Illuminati, and uh, it, was, it was just amazingly over with the local crowd. Uh, but Collins still wrestles occasionally in, uh, I think, Chatsworth. But uh, Jason Collins' brother, Brandon Collins, is actually married to David Young's daughter, uh, which I should say his other daughter, because Anthony Henry is also married to one of David Young's daughters. Huh. So, uh, so. Brandon Collins and Anthony Henry are actually brother-in-laws. Uh, Jason Collins' brother, Brandon, there. That's a fun little, little note there. Who would have thunk? Yeah. Oh, I love how things all tie together. Oh, man. Dan, do you have any other closing thoughts here for Caprice Coleman versus Jason Collins? No. I just like I said, I was excited to see more Jason Collins uh, when this happened because wasn't familiar with him and had seen a lot of Caprice and he did what he always does. I will say the one legged long tights, not a great look, not my fave. <laughs> not my fave. That's never going to be a, a winner lot. for me. I can't come up with them, but I feel like a lot of guys wore those. <laughs> I'm picturing yeah. seeing and it's ne- it never works. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of them don't want you to like them. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, That's yeah. when I start saying about the way I dress. <laughs> I want you to like it <laughs> alright it's Chip Day versus Gunnar Miller Dan give it to me uh, this was this was another really good one I mean like I said I was like felt like I was doing homework where I was like who's who's Gunnar Miller I mean at this point I think he's been wrestling a year and I'm mm-hmm. like I need to see his I need to see his matches and because everyone that has seen him was putting him over huge and Chip Day doesn't really like have a lot of bad matches, especially at this point. And so I don't think this was this was any different. It's one of the shorter matches of the night. It was like go go go, and it, it really worked. And they put over Gunnar Miller without like having him steamroll, you know, Chip Day. But it put him over as like you know a big future star. Um, and I just think that uh, I mean, like Chip does, Chip beat him up with the strikes, just kick the crap out of him but this was this was really really fun what about yeah. you sam this is super tight super tight i think anyone that says you know what gunner miller stinks never good never was liar pants on fire oh. <laughs> like the dude was so obviously talented i think uh so obviously had potential that to say differently i don't want to say 
anyone that doesn't agree with my opinions is contrarian, but it feels it feels suspect. Uh at least in my view. Chip. His work in Empire with Ace is like literally his first few matches. He's already so good. Yeah, like he's got the bio language down for a guy his size, typically working against wrestlers that are not gonna be in his area code when it comes to physique and size. Um sorry, Chip Day. But Chip is someone that around this time is just having a lot of good matches. Um, go on, have the kind of success with AWE out of Atlanta. Um, became kind of their ace, their star, their their guy. Um, but one of those dudes who just was having a hard time putting on bad matches. Like you said, Dan, kicks hard is all get out. Um was kind of billed in some circles as uh, I have set Mike Bailey in some regards um, as far as the kicks go. And he just brought it. He understood how to make that style work against the big former football player and Gunnar Miller. Um, Scott, what's the, yeah, the form one? I still remember the uh, just just the the brutal uh, like spear out of the air that that happened here uh, at the end for for Gunner to beat Chip, uh, but Chip was was one of those uh, company guys that uh, you know he was going to come in and do whatever we needed him to do, and he was going to look good, and he was going to make whoever else also look good, and uh, you know I mean people can say what they want about Gunner Miller, but he was one of the easiest guys we've ever had to promote. Uh, because he does have such a local following and was a uh, you know a really accomplished uh, local athlete and uh, at this time you know he had a trajectory of going upward and trying to get a contract and you know he did get a, a WWE uh, tryout at the time and uh, I think he just sort of fell in one of those time periods where uh, they were looking for the other thing you know sometimes they want guys with experience sometimes they want guys with no experience and uh you know now him being you know a college athlete and you know he he could have probably gotten like an nil deal now if he was in college uh but you know at, at the time it, it was so much fun to to see his rise and uh he was a really good guy to work with and um you know people came in and had no problem helping him out because they could see the potential and you know, the writing was on the wall that, that this guy was somebody that should be promoted as, you know, not just a local star, but somebody that can shine up against, you know, basically anybody because of his athletic build and uh, experience as a college athlete. And he he was a guy that just quickly caught on to a lot of things. So, you know, this was another really fun match for us. Yeah, and like, frankly, I think... I like Gunnar's work still today. I think he's he's still pretty darn good. Uh, so whatever that's worth, uh, I like him uh, as far as the professional wrestling goes. I think this is just a really fun match. Um, but moving on, it's a biggie. It's Jimmy Rave versus Anthony Henry. Dan, what are your thoughts here? This is, uh, I mean, this is the one you remember from this tournament, and it's one of those things where sometimes when we go back and we watch the the, 
the match of the year candidates or the, the, the legendary matches like, will it live up to it? And I mean, I, I think it did. I think it was just as good as I remember it being. Um, this was, this was right in the rave Renaissance. Um, I was always a pretty big fan, but this match and the styles match, like we were kind of putting them back on the, the national spotlight, I guess you would call it, or like, you know, the, the internet spotlight where we could all see that he was still one of the best in the world. Um, Pretty great story because Anthony Henry is, you know, just an amazing athlete, and he's just too fast and too strong and too too good of a too good of a technician for Jimmy Rave. But Jimmy Rave is just too smart, too wily, and it's just uh, it's a pro wrestling story that's you know been done over and over and over again. But it works, and here it's two of the best, and it it really works. I mean, it it, it stands up just as much as I remember it. Yeah, these two, no. No strangers to one another. Um, they just have this obvious chemistry as the longest match in this first round, I believe. And Henry's been good for so long. Obviously, Jimmy is Jimmy. He is just one of the standard bearers um, for the region, for I think just like an independent wrestling in general throughout throughout his career. Um, Henry's obviously talented at this point and remains extremely good for the next, what's it? Um, Closing in on a decade. So he's just one of those top talents. Um, Probably physical. Um, They know how to kind of work in Jimmy being cowardly at times without ever making him feel like too sniveling. Uh, yeah, I think it's just kind of a, a wonderful match here uh, in the first round. Scott, what's the, that's the four one one. Yeah. So this match, uh, it almost didn't happen also because Jimmy <laughs> was actually in a car wreck that day. Um, which, you know, with, with Jimmy's, we'll call them demons, I mean, I don't really know what happened or what was going on. But, you know, Jimmy was still a guy that when it came time to come out to the ring, he was, you know, just an absolute genius out there. And uh, that's what happened here. I, I actually did not want to do this match uh, in the first place when we were putting it together because I was afraid that, like the fans wouldn't have someone to root for. Like I, I had seen, uh, I had seen Anthony Henry before, and I, I thought he was really good. But I thought he was just much better as like a, a cocky hill. And so I didn't want to do like cocky hill versus cocky hill. But you know, I guess I, I underestimated the power of Jimmy Rave. And uh, with this match, like Anthony Henry has given our tournament a lot of credit as sort of um, inspiring him and giving him confidence and uh, sort of putting him on the map of independent wrestling. Um, how many years would you guess Anthony Henry had been wrestling at this point? Two or three. Okay. Uh, I know, I, I know yeah, that did not be the case, but I, I wasn't familiar with him. So I would guess something similar. Yeah. So at this point he had been wrestling for 10 years. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he started in around 2004, 2005 
And uh, he was actually at the first Wild Side show I ever went to, uh, which actually Matt Griffin was as well, and Tank and Ace Rockwell. And so, I mean, it, it comes full circle, you know, 10 years later that we're starting this Scenic City thing. But Anthony went from just being a guy to really finding himself. And, you know, we, we know now that you know, he later went on to sign a contract with WWE and got to work at NXT. And, you know, he, he bought a house at one point from, from rest, wrestling money. So, I mean, uh, and he's still just one of the best in independent wrestling or all of wrestling. Uh, you know, there, there's nobody you see that's like, you know, I would not want to watch Anthony wrestle them. It's like, yeah, I want to watch Anthony wrestle them. I want to watch him kick their head off or, you know, <laughs> he's, uh, He's such a fun guy to watch wrestle now, and he's really found himself. So it was just really cool that, uh, you know, Ace doubled down on this, and he's like, no, this is the match that needs to happen, and all credit to him on this one. Uh, it was it was great to watch, and at one point, uh, if, if you know what you're looking for here, which it's probably not too hard to see, but Jimmy Rave gets knocked out cold, and Anthony is so good, even at this point, that he has his hand in Jimmy's hand, and he he kicks out for Jimmy. Okay. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. Um, I, I saw the movement. I didn't see necessarily what was going on, uh, what caused the, the reaction. But, no, that makes sense now. That makes sense now. See? Between I I had heard that and then I had heard about the car crash, but then with the finish of his night two match, you know, I'm almost I was always wondering, like, how much of that was real versus trying to set up the fake out tomorrow on the second night. Yeah, we 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 played off of it basically. Uh, Jimmy is, yeah. is smart with wrestling psychology and storytelling. He's like, "Hey, uh, you know how I passed out last night or got knocked out last <laughs> night? Uh, let's uh, let's fake it tonight." Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's genius. Like, yeah. Oh man. So I was going to ask you, which kind of leads into the next one, but I guess you kind of answered it. Is because you weren't confident on like the fans having something to cheer for. Is that why? this wasn't the main event and the other and the yes. next match was yeah yes so, so i don't think but, you did i don't think you did the the main event any favors <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys talk about it first um yeah so i think this like i said not the main event but definitely one of the you know it's the shining match on on this show it's the match kind of stands out maybe whether you call it the best or not, it's clearly one of the matches that feels like the most grandiose in that sense. So, and I always love when they do the cross face with Rave pushes off the ropes to get right back in the smack dab middle of the ring, tap him out. Um, loved it. Great match. Moving on. Main event. It's Gunner versus Christian Haim. Dan, you've got to deliver the news here. What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's like I said, it's just, it's coming off of that match. So it's not fair where like, maybe I wouldn't have, maybe I would have been more open to this, but it's just Christian Hames, you know, healing and, uh, it going a little long, which I mean, is the main event. It, it, this one almost maybe is my least favorite of the first night, which is unfortunate being the last match. It just, it doesn't work for me in a lot of ways. 
yeah, it's a tough match, I think, especially when you're watching it in the flow of the show. It's tough coming off Ray versus Henry. I think in its own right, it's fine. Uh, I don't have <laughs> the connection to either wrestler, uh, unfortunately, in that sense, or at the very least in this kind of setting. Um, Gunner feels kind of more like an impact TNA sort of guy. And I just don't have that kind of knowledge and understanding and background on um, pain. So they don't resonate in the same way, even like a Corey Hollis does or um, Caprice Coleman, Tank, KT Hamill, Moose, all those sorts of guys that like, okay, based on where I'm at as a fan, they kind of stick out a little bit more slash like either I'm, more curious or I'm bigger fans of um, where I don't think in my head I was ever like, oh, when Gunner gets outside of a national company, a TV company, he's really going to unleash because the shackles will be off. Um, I was actually kind of like, I enjoyed Gunner. I think he's, pretty, he's a good wrestler. Um, but I don't think there was something in my heart that said, oh, this is holding him back from his true potential. Um, <laughs> so this is maybe not the match that, that proves that. In the end, Gunner wins with what is called the PTSD, uh, which, you know what? Wild name for a move. It's kind of a <laughs> kneeling power bomb. Uh, Scott, how did we get here? So this was like uh, my best friend in wrestling versus Ace's best friend in wrestling. There we go. <laughs> it oh, was, yeah. uh, but but it was two guys that that we really felt like could uh, could deliver at the main event. Uh, Christian Haim was a guy that was a real trailblazer for independent wrestling in the Southeast and in Alabama. Uh, he was a guy that one of the first guys out of the South that had gone up and done like Chikara and IWA Mid South and CZW and some of these things like that. You know, he he was wrestling with Orange Cassidy in the the early days of Orange Cassidy. Uh, so. You know, he he was a guy that I just sort of wanted to pay respect to. Uh, he was a guy that helped me get into wrestling, and uh, and to become a ring announcer in in that uh, Scottsboro promotion, the Ultimate NWA. And then uh, Gunner was a guy that we really felt like was really on his way to being a star. Uh, he had had a, a really cool, good run at uh, Anarchy as a uh, Phil Shatter. And then uh, had uh, started getting getting opportunities with TNA as Gunner, and uh, he he was somebody that that re was really close with Ace Rockwell, and so uh, you know we we thought those guys were sort of established or getting established, and uh, so we put them on top. And l like you mentioned, you know it's uh, it's sort of hard to to tell sometimes as to what is going to be the best thing to be on top and uh we, we probably didn't choose the the correct one here but it, it what there wasn't anything wrong with it it just wasn't as exciting or something that people connected with as much as some of the other things i think that's very fair i think that's fair i think emily just swapping the two matches for me and dan sitting here at home, I was like, okay, 
the perspective might be different. Um, but also like, hey, I have no complaints about this match and the and the grand sense here and puts a puts a nice little cap on night one of the SCI. All right, are we ready for round two? Let's do it. All right. Starting off, Corey Hollis versus Jason Collins. Dan, give it to me. Well, I'm going to start by putting Scott on blast because he didn't want to put uh, Henry and Rave together because they both might be booed, but he put the two guys that cheated the win together in the first, the second round. But <laughs> I thought this was fun, and it really made, like, made it apparent that like whoever is wrestling Corey Hollis is going to get cheered. He's like the de facto good guy at that point. Or it's like he might have cheated the win a little, but he's not. He's not. He's not Corey Hollis. We don't hate him that much. Um, <laughs> the crowd was like one of the best part of this match. I felt like this was like the crowd was really involved, really was liking giving Corey Hollis shit, and this was just a fun way to start off the second round and get Corey into the finals. Yeah, I think Corey, good choice for leadoff batter uh, as far as tournament matches go. On both nights, not the opening match of the night two, but strong kind of start to, hey, this is the tournament fair. Here we go. And I think kind of fits that mold uh, coming up and kind of interesting how that plays into, okay, he doesn't have maybe those same sort of barn burners or slash like got to stretch his legs as much as Jimmy Rave or Gunner or Kongo Kong in that regard. Um, where the finals is where he kind of gets to really spread his wings a little bit more. Um, but Scott, how we get here? Yeah, it was uh, just the, the young guys coming together once again. You know, it was Corey Hollis versus Empire, basically. And uh, so this was his opportunity to, to take down one more of the, the local guys, which, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Jason was, was way more heelish night one. But at the same time, with him being uh, more well-known and being like the accepted, familiar local guy, uh, this was a chance for for Corey to to dig in his heels on this and uh, just establish that he was a guy to hate, and uh, you know he would evolve time and time again and get better and better uh, at doing that. And uh, so I mean, this was another chance for Collins to shine, but at the same time, you know, Corey was the one that was going to move forward. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that kind of. Danny, any th- other thoughts on Hollis versus Collins? Just that coming in, I don't think that I would have said that Hollis obviously should have been in the final, but once once you watch it play out, it's like he's got to be in there. He's got to be one of the final four. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Scott, we kind of already did a little, little preamble of the, the best friends in wrestling. Ace Rockwell versus Gunner. I think this is a bit of a humdinger, Dan. How about you? No, I agree. This was awesome. Um, it's, you know, it makes sense that they're friends because like they try to kill each other here, uh, as friends do. And, uh, this match was almost more 50, 50 than a lot of the matches on the show, but it's because they just like, they're both just beating the crap out of each other. Um, like I said, the, the main event didn't work for me so much in the first night. So this did a better job of getting, of making me 
feel more like Gunner should be in the finals. Like kind of, he felt more like a star here than he did night one for for whatever reason. Whether it's not just you know the diving headbutts and the slaps and you know everything, but this this worked. Yeah, anytime a mascot breaks down to feel like a scrum, uh, I'm a big fan. They really make that work. Gunner, uh, yeah, like you said, it looks kind of like a star. I think Ace looks incredible in this match. I think it's always tough when the other dude looks bigger, stronger, more, let's say, put together than you, um, and still looking like you can more than hold your own against them, and that being completely believable. And also, to say out loud, like, Scott's not given any kind of backstage secrets here. It's all over commentary how Ace yeah. and Cutter are friends. Um, that is kind of the sales pitch on this match. It's like, hey, they are friends, which means they also feel like they know after this, they can kind of come out of this uh, and be okay. But they both know each of them wants to move on. Um, so they're going to do what they got to do to get there. Um, so yeah, match rocks, kicks butt. I think the sunset flip into the kneeling power bomb, a little silly looking, but I dig it. Uh, I think it's a fun way to finish that one off. Um, Steel somehow had me, even though I knew what the finals were with the aces high uh, that Gunner jumped into. So it still works. It still works. Uh, Scott, I think uh, how we got here is kind of obvious, but like, give us like uh, the, your background, your thoughts here. Yeah, this was the match that Ace really wanted for himself. But at the same time, like he he was really like apologetic in a way because he he never wanted to be like the center of attention or that promoter that sort of puts the belt on himself or, you know, self-serving. He he asked me, you know, when we were putting this together, I can still remember him saying, you know, uh, well, what would you do? You know, does it look too bad that like I'm, you know, doing this and wrestling like my best friend? And I said, no, I said, you know, get your reward here, you know, because we didn't know if we were going to make money or not. And we we barely did. But at the same time, like, uh, you know, I, I knew it would be a really good match. They had already worked a match at Anarchy and. Ace is a guy that really likes the physicality and really likes wrestling that uh, that that looks real. Uh, you know, he he's not into as much of the uh, sort of cartoony stuff that we see sometimes, uh, which you know. Gunner agrees with that as well. You know, they, they both are, uh, you know, Gunner definitely is a big, like, uh, mixed martial arts fan. And, uh, you know, Ace is, is an old school type guy. Uh, but, you know, this this was a chance for him to get in there and just get really physical with a good friend. And, you know, they, they did really well with it. And we, we were really happy with it. Yeah, that's very cute how he was like, oh, are they going to think less of me for for making this match happen. Um, yeah. For putting myself in a bit of a spotlight. Um, but I also think it was, it was best for both of them, frankly. Oh yeah. He was good enough to be in that spot. It yeah. wasn't like it was, you know, the, the promoter bringing in a big name to wrestle that he didn't deserve to wrestle. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And I don't think, I don't think any of us here needed Mark Vandy going over either. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mark Vandy. Poor Mark Vandy. <laughs> Just passing strays out here. Um, 
All right, moving on. It's Congo Kong versus Moose. Dan, what were we thinking? I, if you heard how excited I was for Congo Kong versus Tank, I mean, you know that this is this is in my wheelhouse. Um, I love it. Um, I will say that like it's almost like because like these these guys, not that they don't you know squash each other and they have big you know impactful moves. It's almost like after watching Gunner and Ace beat the crap out of each other it almost lessened some of the impact of some of the moves in this one, but it was still Congo Kong being one of the scariest guys around and Moose being like a physical freak uh, and just a really fun 10 minute match. And I was really excited. I remember the time that I thought that like, it was really cool that Congo Kong went over Moose because Moose was in ROH and you know, for whatever, you know, at, at that time that was a big deal to me. And I thought it was great that we were going to see Congo Kong in the finals because he is amazing. Yeah. Congo Kong's great. I think I was a little down on this match, kind of watching it back here. I don't know if it was kind of where the mood was striking me, but um, it felt like we could see a little bit that Moose wasn't all the way there, um, that he was kind of more athlete than wrestler at, at, at times. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think Congo Kong feels like such a complete package as a pro wrestler that that stands out a little bit more. Um but things like the cannonball into the corner that completely engulfs Moose. Great stuff. Love that. Um, splash. Splash it. Congo Kong Splash. Thing of beauty. That thing should yes. win awards. I don't know what award should win awards. <laughs> um, in the, you know, the, the, the thing we mention every week, every episode, the notes. In my notes on the first round match, I put, that is a finisher in all caps. There we go. <laughs> like, I didn't there know what go. I was describing. It's just like, you see that, and you're like, yeah. Uh, neither of us mentioned he hits a Hurricane Rana. I was say, top of Hurricane Rana. <laughs> that's what gets the splash. <laughs> the Hurricane Rana. I was like, ah, oh, man. What a beautiful professional wrestler that is. Uh, but yeah, I think it is good. I just was not as feeling as much as either of their first round matchups, which I thought were just both wonderful. Uh, but Scott, how, how do we get here? Yes, so we talked about how the Gunner and Ace match was the match that Ace really wanted, and this was the match that I really wanted. Uh, you know, I, I told you this is a Scott Hensley match. You know, again, we get Congo Kong versus a guy that, you know, has sort of the complete opposite physique as Tank in, in Moose, but is is very similar into how people expect him to wrestle with the the impact and the power. And uh, this was, uh, it was so much fun to, to put two guys that are they're that big and strong in there together and uh just just let them make sweet violent music um one one note on this match so at the time moose had been telling people that uh that he didn't really want to uh lose and uh so somebody had messaged me another promoter that had booked moose and uh had a time with him at the time uh this is probably way too much behind the scenes but uh they they said you know how did you get moose to do business i said oh i said we we dropped a uh we dropped a refrigerator on him from a helicopter they said what i said yeah congo kong splashed him off the top who's getting up from that and they said oh <laughs> uh, there's very there's very few uh more credible ways you can beat a dude like that it's like if you're gonna eat the, the pin it's gotta be like that it's gotta be the biggest force possible to take you out uh, which congo kong brings to the table thankfully no kidding 
also not to defend Moose, but I have a much easier time with Moose not wanting to lose than Loki not wanting to lose. <laughs> like I, I know I like Loki more as a pro wrestler, but when you think about it, when you look like Moose and you're as big as Moose, I can see being like, "Who's beating yeah, me?" Okay. But Congo Kong yeah. is the answer. <laughs> I saw where Moose put out a tweet at one point saying that he quit the NFL because it was too easy. <laughs> so uh, he he has some he has some interesting opinions and entertainment at times. Oh uh, but, uh, so I was really excited to be doing this match, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, first time matchup." And then, like a month before, Jeff Jarrett had them like working the global force rounds like against each other, and so it's like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, well. It'd still be nice to do it here, but yeah, but it, it was a different time. It wasn't like you know all those events were being live streamed on yeah. IWTV every night either. I mean, it was it was fine. It was if you weren't there to see minor league baseball, you didn't see that match. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm making fun of it. I went to the one that was near me, and it was I saw minor league baseball and I saw wrestling, and it was awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. They should do that more. They should do that more. Um. AEW offshoot is is ready to go. <laughs> All right. Let's talk Jim Ray versus Gunnar Miller, Dan. What do we got? Um, this is kind of almost it's like Jimmy Rave's story in this tournament's like just so cohesive that like this is almost flows directly from his Anthony Henry match where now he's in there with Gunnar Miller who is just too strong for Jimmy Rave. And Jimmy Rave's having to slow things down. He's having to stomp on his foot and uh, spit on him and just pull out every trick he can until he pulls out, like, the ultimate heel move and acts like he's unconscious. And, you know, the the locker room empties. There's referees everywhere. They're throwing up the X sign. Um, fans get quiet. Um, like Scott had mentioned, there was the this car crash incident. So, you know, it seemed like people believed it. And, you know, it's it, it was very well done and then rave jumps up hits a you know i think he hits a big forearm and then rolls him up for the uh rolls gunner up for the win it was just it was just really really well done couldn't get dylan hales to shut up about this finish good lord (laughs) he was just over the moon about it and it's great i get it even now (laughs) it really works not being within earshot of that weekend where the accident happens that you don't have that you have it being discussed in commentaries. So like, you know, it's part of the kind of the story to some degree. Um, but my goodness, couldn't get him to stop. It's a real good match. Gunnar Miller, two gloves, bad look. Don't do it. Um, sorry to be fashion policing the wrestlers on this episode, but, um, Get one glove, choose a hand, go on from there. And yeah, I think Gunner just plays bully ball in there with Raven. Raven's like, I got an out. I know <laughs> I know how we're getting out of this. This man's too pure for this world. He will learn today. Uh that is not the way you're gonna make it in this sport very quickly. Um in this post <laughs> the most dastardly thing you can think of. Uh, as far as just manipulative behavior goes in the professional wrestling context. Um, and it really works. It really works. Um, but Scott, kind of like curious how that all came together. It's like 
finish wise and and so on this was uh, the kind of thing where we we wanted to continue pushing gunner as this big star which he was and uh, you know he was an empire guy as well and so he's there in his home building the place that he's really getting started at uh, he always has a lot of family and friends as supporters there with him uh, so it was a real chance to take people on an emotional roller coaster and who better to do that than Jimmy Rave and Rave was just an absolute master of storytelling and psychology and just getting in there and you know not that not that Gunner was a broomstick but Jimmy as the saying goes could have a great match with a broomstick and uh you know it was so confidence inspiring uh for someone like Gunner who was only a year in to be put in there with somebody like Rave that was going to take care of him and was going to control the match. And I, I just remember all the emotion in that building after this finish. Uh, Gunner's dad was, was furious. And it, it wasn't that he was like, like a mark about, or I, I say that in, I, I don't know. It wasn't like he was, uh, you know, like, oh, man, I can't believe Gunner lost. He was mad because he actually related it to football, and he said uh, he knows to go until they blow the whistle. That was <laughs> what he said. And so he completely related it to playing on the field for football until the referee like actually says, you know, blows the whistle and stops the play. So the play had not actually been stopped. And so he, he was mad because of, of relating it to that. And I just thought, man, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do. It works. Gotta bring your own life experience into the, the fold there. All right, all right, Danny. Got any more thoughts before we kind of kick it off to our finale here? No, I think let's get to the final. All right, in the finals, it is Congo Kong versus Gunner versus Corey Hollis versus Jimmy Rave. This is a big match, Dan. Uh, I don't know where you want to start, but kind of give me your overall thoughts here. Yeah, so this this is tough. Uh, I'm gonna start by saying I remember reading the result at the time and, and I, not liking this format for a tournament and being like, which is funny because now it's like, you know, it's like SEI's calling card and it's, it's, it's great. And it's led to so many great finals, but I was like, no, I want to see, you know, I wanted to, I want to see the two semifinals and then a final match, you know, like, I, you know, traditional, but this is one of those matches that works. But then I feel like if I list off what happens, it's going to sound like it doesn't work at all. I mean, it's starts off with, I mean, Hollis and Rave are kind of, you know, teaming up, somewhat you know and even gunner a little bit to take out kong kong's the first one to get eliminated after missing his insane moonsault um and then that's when raven hollis really team up to get rid of gunner going all the way back to the beginning with an eye poke you know once again kick the eye poke and a kick in the head and then it comes down to raven hollis and then somehow rave becomes this huge baby face and it's fighting off uh you know the rest of the members of uh I can't think of what they're called now. The, you know, Corey Hollis's faction. The White Rose. And, yes, the White Rose. Yes. And 
it's in the middle of the match, like Rave becomes like the huge baby face star for me, and it 100% works. And in a tournament that didn't have some a match that we talked about earlier, this would be my favorite match of the tournament. This was really good. I mean, it's like almost 40 minutes long, and it flies by. I will say it is a little long for me, but I am a man with a poor attention span. Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're cranky. I'm just cranky. I'm just cranky. But I understand why you got to get rid of Congo Kong early. Would have loved some more Congo Kong in there. I do love kind of the work over set segment on Gunner by Hollis and Rave kind of trading in and out, working together, working him down, wearing him down, working the lake, and just kind of going back to their old old ways, old team, team members there. Uh, Jim Rave approved and making sure this, this guy – that uh, from around here, but kind of trying to come in back to town and look like the big stud and kind of put him back in his place. Uh, I think that's neat. I think that works. I am still a little iffy on the Hollis rave kind of finale here, which kind of functions essentially on an it's a facto singles final to this. Um, since that is a good portion of, of the end here. And I don't know if I, I, I don't get all the way there with Jimmy getting baby faced here. I get it. I just don't know if I, I completed that, that journey. Um, I will say this is also in the grand scheme of the SEI, a tough finals in the sense that I like the structure for a finals now. Um, but like you said, Dan, I'm not sure how I felt at the time. And part of that is because, Every year since the first one, each final sort of relies on history from the previous tournaments, um, regardless of kind of who is mixing and matching in there. There's always that aspect to it. And the first one obviously doesn't get that benefit. Um, they just have to rely on what's in front of them, what's on the table here today, what's in the toolbox they can kind of pull out. And I think they do a good job with what they have at their disposal. But what really excites me about this format is kind of what it means for what's to come. But Scott, how, how, how do you feel this all kind of came together in the building uh, to kind of wrap things up for that first SCI? I think as a promoter, you, you want to send people home happy. Uh, we, we didn't really know if this was ever going to be a thing again, or, you know, what, what was going to happen after this tournament? Uh, we, we wanted to sort of plant some seeds for, for empire to, to be able to have some new stories and to elevate their talent. And we, we ultimately just wanted to, to tell some stories and send people home happy and, uh, promote the local talent, elevate the local talent, and get some exposure for these guys. So we really felt like Jimmy was the right choice uh, because he was a guy that had so much credibility with wrestling fans. And, you know, he had just wrestled AJ Styles. Uh, he's a guy that had been to Japan, uh, had a good run with Ring of Honor. And he was also, you know, a Southeast guy. He's, you know, from Georgia and, so he was a guy that we really wanted to be the first champion to represent that what we were doing mattered 
uh, and that what we were doing w- was something that um, I-, I guess just had so many different tie-ins. And so we had so many good uh, building blocks here with that final uh, to be able to have those four guys in there, to have you know a monster and a hero and a... Uh, a young villain and an established guy that had proven that he could do just whatever it took. And so once the monster Congo Kong was out of the way, once the, uh, you know, Raven Hollis had teamed up to take out uh, gunner. Then at that point, if you really want to polarize the crowd and make them care, then we decided we're going to have Corey Hollis, try to out Jimmy Rave, Jimmy Rave. And uh, he had the, uh, Jimmy Rave had a faction called Jimmy Rave Approved, and uh, Corey Hollis was a member of that at one time, and so now Corey has his uh, White Rose, and uh, so it's, uh, it, it was a lot of fun, and we got to involve, you know, the Empire guys, and uh, in the end, we we turned Jimmy Rave enough even after, uh, in the single night there, beating Gunnar Miller in that dastardly way, uh, we turned him enough to, to really uh, still make the crowd excited that he was able to overcome and win. Yeah, and there's a certain energy into that building that kind of helps all th- everyone feed off each other in that respect. All right, hey, Dan. I was kind of my own personal connection to Jimmy Rave and his work, but to me, it was almost like his healing. It was like, even though you're really mad at the moment, you're like, oh, you can't believe you did that again. You know? <laughs> Where like Hollis is like, someone needs to slap this man. Like someone needs to put him in his place. I, so like that, I think maybe that's why the mid-match turn works better for me. Like it's the only way I can articulate it. No, that makes sense. That makes 100% sense. Uh, all right. I think we're ready to kind of wrap things up and get to our, I don't know, awards rating section of the show. Dan, let's talk about what is your match of the tournament. I mean, it's uh, Jimmy Ray versus Anthony Henry. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't know if there can be a lot of argument there. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm with you on the same boat. I think even though it's the first round before things kind of kick into gear into our the following rounds. Uh, I think it's one of the few times like, Hey, the first round has one of the best matches, if not the best match in the tournament. And yeah, these two killed it, knocked it out of the park, sort of set in motion. Jimmy's tournament run here. And it is the most, I don't know. The, the finals kind of, he has multiple bombastic kind of performances where he has just, Foreman art out there. He is working the whole canvas um, to display his craft. I think that's incredible, but I think this is kind of the one that best displays it for me uh, in the confines of, of this tournament, at least. Uh, Scott, I don't know if you want to jump in here, but what was your kind of match of the tournament? Yeah, I, I think that is the match of the tournament. Uh, also, you know, Gunner and Ace Rockwell was was a favorite of mine. Uh, and then I would say also Congo Kong and Tank from night one was also a favorite. And then, I mean, for me at the time, uh, you know, Kong and Moose as well. 
but you know, some of the others were really good storytelling matches or, uh, or were just, you know, good matches. But at the same time, I think those, those that I named were, were my favorites that were sort of on a little bit different level, either in just my excitement or their ability to, uh, to just really show out. Yeah, I think I'm also a big fan of the KT Hamill versus Moose match. I think mm-hmm. up and down, there are a lot of really good matches. I think a lot of people will pick the Rave versus Henry matches, the match of the tournament. But as far as what's next up, I think ask someone, you'll get a different answer each time I out. I've heard Dylan, I, I think I've heard Dylan say that maybe his either favorite or second favorite was the Collins and Caprice match. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would not doubt that. I would not doubt that. I know at the time I was, I was over the moon about that match. So there's just like, so much like fun I stuff. Said, I really enjoyed the final. I mean, if we were ranking them outside of my number one, like two through 10 would be so hard to rank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. There is just a lot going on as far as just variety uh, and everything kind of has its own appeal uh, throughout this tournament. Dan, who is your wrestler of the tournament? This is another one. It feels like it's probably obviously Jimmy Rave, but I, I going in, that's what I thought. And then coming out, I'm still picking Jimmy Rave, but I will say that I, I hesitated and wanted to go Congo Kong for a while. Uh, I think that's very fair. I think that's very fair. Uh, I almost wanted to say Ace. Mm, that's fair too. That's uh, <laughs> kind of, I think it's, I asked Jimmy and then race for me in the sense that like, I think a Vandy match could have been. I frankly think that match could have been bad. I think that could have been with a lesser <laughs> performer in there would have been a tough sell in this setting. Um, Ace is just too good for that. And I think the rock, the Rockwell versus Gunner match. Hell yeah, that rocks. Um, so yeah, I think he's kind of my, my runner up in that regard. As sort of like, okay, I'm not sure his two performances changes necessarily the outcome of this tournament in that way, but he is sort of the guy that needs to to test Gunner's metal going into the finals. Um, Scott, do you have a wrestler of the tournament? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's hard to say it's not Jimmy Rave. Uh, I, I will say that, you know, Congo Kong is the reason why Dylan Hales said that he came to the tournament. Uh, you know, Dylan's family lives in the Chattanooga area, but at the time, Dylan was living in Charleston, I believe. And uh, he talked about riding a bus up to Chattanooga there, or, you know, right below Chattanooga. It's Rossville, uh, Georgia. But, because of Dylan, uh, we were really able to reach a new audience, and we were really able to uh, connect with a lot more wrestlers. And since then, you know, Dylan now makes his living in professional wrestling with IWTV. So it, it was all because of Congo Kong, strangely enough. Uh, so oh, in, the, in the long term of things, you know, the MVP is Kong here. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I recalled that that was the reason he came here, but it, it does make sense. It does make sense. Look at back here. Um. That man was on quite the run during this time period between 
the Danny Cannon match, between the Chris Hero match. Um, yeah, I think he just had kind of, it was also just a YouTube favorite. You could throw out Google, just on the YouTube search, Congo Kong, and you'd be filled with every corner uh, of his territory of good Congo Kong matches. All right, Dan, it's time for the math portion of the show. Yeah, we got to calculate their score out of five. Let's um, crunch the numbers. Not awkward with Scott here at all. I'm going to give it a 0. 0.5. Um, no. <laughs> uh, what, what, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, but what we find in episode 21 is that a lot of these tournaments that we love, they have some bad matches in them. And this one truly doesn't. Like, there's no stinkers. There's, I mean, which goes such a long way. <laughs> like, even if it just, this didn't have the high highs of Jimmy Ray versus Anthony Henry, just not having bad matches in that. I mean, what is that? It's 12, 13 matches and all of them being at least good yeah. is an accomplishment we're finding out going through some of these old ones. But I had a tough time, but I came down with a 3.75. Dan, how are we always so in sync? How are, are we always me? so in sync? I am also 3.75. It, it almost seems unfair because I think what you were talking about with the final, I almost think that I'm comparing it to how I know I feel about future finals. Yes. So it's like I was like, ah, I, we haven't we haven't reviewed those yet, but I know I love them, and I'm like, so as much as this tournament's good, it's almost like I know that it, like I said, it builds off this, and they keep getting better. Yeah, I think with a tournament that has something I consider like a match of the year candidate and some bona fide hoot of the year candidates throughout the course of this tournament, like you said, uh, there are some matches that I think are more fine than good, but there's nothing bad, which is and sometimes at the end of the day, that's all you can ask for is that you don't feel like you wasted your time coming out of a matchup. Um, I'm going through my records. That is your highest rated tournament in the history of the show. That is my highest yeah. rated. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, you have a couple, you have a couple, you have two 3.5s, two or three 3.5s, but nothing hit a 3.75 for you yet. Man, man, now I think it's only because Scott's here. People are going to judge me. <laughs> But <laughs> everyone knows, like, take it down a, take it down a quarter. Um, yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No, no, I think this, this <laughs> is just a, a who and hollering good time. Um, even when the final's not quite sticking to me that to that degree as it does for you, Dan, I think I'm just like, yeah, like Colin Colin versus Tank. Give that to me any day of the week. Um, Ace Rockwell versus Gunner. Heck yeah, Ray versus Gunner Miller. Just that's the sort of tournament storytelling i want uh just feed me more uh <laughs> scott i'll leave it up to you if you want to slap a number on this but feel free uh, to really and i really appreciate you guys you know not only just reviewing it but you know i, I do feel like uh you know I, I feel like you would come up with a similar number whether i'm here or not you know I, I feel like you guys are are very honest about it and you know have have a good taste in in the wrestling that i like as well uh you know ultimately it's you know just what you like but um you know i, I was really thinking you know probably somewhere between i, I honestly thought 3.5 or 4 and oh, so like we, we all ended on the same thing like I, I want and and as soon as you guys said 3.75 I thought oh they're gonna think that you know I'm just making this up but you know like, 
legitimately like I mean that's the way I feel about it and you know to to be critical about it you know I, I think back to some of the things that happened that night and that could have gone better and you know but ultimately like I'm really proud of this tournament you know this was uh this was my first shot at co-promoting with uh with Ace and uh you know I'd always wanted to promote professional wrestling since I was you know just a small child uh I actually uh, for a, a paper one time when I was in like middle school, uh, they asked, what do you want to do? And I said, wrestling promoter. So, you know, this was, this was really cool for me. And I think it's been really meaningful for independent wrestling. You know, just this past uh, weekend, I got to see Alex Kane become a world champion with MLW. And he's a guy that credits me with discovering him and bringing him to the futures tournament and you know he's a guy that we like his first year in sci he went to the finals and you know uh, we featured ac mac who became the iwtv world champion and so you know i i feel like being a part of wrestling is it's just so rewarding and this was the start for me in that way so uh it's it's really cool now that we've talked about this whole tournament the kind of origin story here. I I have one loaded kind of question. What was the like biggest lesson from the first tournament that you think most carries through to this weekend? Uh, uh, what was kind of the, the things you learned on this one that you feel like most apply going into July 14th and 15th? Well, uh, you know, not to bury anybody, but uh, we 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 needed a lot more uh, financial planning, and uh, <laughs> then I will say that uh, the other thing is to be really intentional about what you want. You know, we we wanted Congo Kong just to sort of volunteer up Chris Hero, but of course we we wanted him to sort of be like, yeah, you know, he's my buddy, and he'll come for a buddy rate, and you know, but we. <laughs> We we didn't have enough stones to stand up and say like ah, I think we're gonna go with a different direction other than Mark Vandy you know <laughs> like, I don't want to keep piling on him but you know he was fine but at the same time he just he didn't fit with with what the others had accomplished or you know have now accomplished but you know it's I'd say financial planning and just being intentional. I love it. I mean that not that makes a lot of sense. Not to keep mentioning Dylan Hells, but I know one of his big talking points is that the Styles versus Rave match from this year is like one of the, you know, most influential indie matches mm-hmm. of the best, you know, decade or whatever. But I think not to, you know, just big you up, but this show has to be considered one of the most influential indie shows in the last decade. I mean, just to think where SCI is now, where IWTV is, you know, where Southern Wrestling is, like it, it it's from you know, your first show booking, like that's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really overwhelming sometimes to think about being a, a small brick in the building that has become, you know, IWTV and Southern independent wrestling and some of the, the different things that, that hardworking, talented individuals have been able to accomplish, but that I've gotten to be, you know, a small part of. I'm not going to name names, but I've been to at least two shows that were promoted by friends that was their first shows, and they did not come out this smooth. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you know, a lot of it has to do with with partnering, and I'll tell everybody that. Uh, you know, even you know this year with with SCI, we're partnering with TWV. Uh, we're not coming in and trying to be WWE overnight. Uh, we're not trying to upset the ecosystem. Uh, we're trying to work alongside it. We're trying to make it better and make everybody better. Uh, and that's so important when you're trying to get something started. And, you know, I know there are people that, that have success in just coming out and doing their own thing, but uh, that that's not how I would would see finding easy success but you know it's uh it's different paths for different people but uh, i think partnering is the way to go there we go i love it and that that is a wrap on the very first sci sci 2015 scott do you have any plugs you'd like to make before we wrap the episode up Sure. Yeah, we have SCI weekend coming up. You know, we we went from it just being a couple of nights to now it is uh, three days and four events. Uh, TWE uh, the night before kicks off Thursday night. It is a special bell time of 7.30 p.m. Uh, I think you can uh, look at their poster on social media and see the contact information there to get tickets. Uh, but then uh, our events, uh, the SCI Night 1, Night 2, uh, we do still have a few tickets remaining there. Uh, but it is uh, the TWE Arena is, uh, is a very intimate venue. So, uh, you know, I, if you're coming especially from out of town, I would not wait on getting those tickets go ahead and get them get on the the pass list and uh it's sciwrestling.com uh we've we've always tried to keep tickets very affordable so you know it's 15 bucks a night uh to see literally some of the best professional wrestlers in the world and just a a crazy variety as well you know we in the same tournament we have timothy thatcher and action mike jackson uh so i mean it's uh it's it's interesting you know whether whether you know these guys whether you uh you know just want to come people watch i mean it's uh it's an experience and that's what we want it to be we want it to be sort of like you know a, a circus type thing where there's something for everybody there's high flyers there's technical wrestlers, there's old school entertainers, there's, you know, people that you are going to love to cheer, people you're going to love to boo, and uh, that's Friday and Saturday night, and then one of my favorite things that I've ever created uh, is the Future Showcase Tournament, which Matt Griffin is really... Uh, taken ownership of with action uh, because he believed in it so much as well, which is, you know, one of many, many, many things that Matt and I agree on and what makes us, you know, good partners to work together with. Uh, but, you know, people had said, you know, are, what are you doing for local wrestling? What are you doing for guys that are not already on this level to wrestle in SCI? Uh, because, you know, you, we saw to begin with, it started as something that we were able to plug in a lot of local guys. And then when Empire went away, uh, it became more about the entire Southeast. And now it's sort of a mini territory of, you know, Nashville and uh, Alabama and Chattanooga and Atlanta and, you know, wherever else we pull from the Carolinas, Florida. Uh, but 
it became so much more and so much more talent coming in that futures uh, became an opportunity for us to feature people with five or less years of experience. And uh, it is five dollars to come watch Futures uh, because we didn't want anybody to have an excuse. Uh, you know, I know sometimes if you're already paying to watch three shows or if you have a family, you know, it does add up. So $5 to come watch the future of professional wrestling. We have had uh, over a dozen people sign professional contracts uh, that have wrestled at Futures. Uh, you know, Marco Stunt, uh, Billy Starks, um, Brooks Jensen, Nathan Frazier at NXT. Uh, so, I mean, Alan Angels that had a run with AEW and now with Impact. So, you know, it's it's just a killer opportunity to come see literally the future of wrestling. Yeah, I think what the SAI has become is just kind of a staple in the independent, the professional wrestling ecosystem. And more specifically, the American professional wrestling ecosystem is that it is a showcase for folks that are younger, like in futures to kind of get into that tournament, but also like it's a platform in its own right um, to get bookings elsewhere throughout the country, to get their name out there um, without having to make the big show. Uh, and that's just kind of the big show, obviously further solidifying that like Rico Gonzalez feels like he is going to see a big boost from having his name attached to this tournament to that extent. So it'll be exciting to see honestly, how this weekend plays out and uh, who comes out on top and frankly like, coming off last year, like where do we go from here? Who Who, who is going to step up and make that impact? Um, but all right, Dan, you got any plugs that you would like to bring to the table? Uh, just the usual. Uh, follow me, Dan underscore Rice 88 on Twitter. That's still a thing when this airs. Um, and then listen to all the shows on network and watch SCI. All right. You can follow us on Twitter at WDKWPN on Twitter. Give us a follow. Leave us a review on iTunes. And yeah, that'll be it. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next time.